0: Hello Mamas, this is Daisy from The C-Spot and you're listening to The C-Spot Podcast. This podcast is a collection of stories told by women who have experienced a cesarean section, otherwise known as a C-section or a belly birth. The C-Spot is a safe space for us mommies to share our experiences. From one C-section mom to another, you are not alone. Let's begin this journey of healing together. Welcome to The C-Spot Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode here at the C Spot. As always, thank you so much for everybody that has been tuning in. Today I'm going to get into my second C section story. And initially I was going to make this episode um, my second and third C section, but As I was recording that episode, it was starting to get way too long, specifically because there were more complications and more variables with my third C-section. So I didn't want to rush through the episode. I wanted to make sure that I took my time talking about each story. So instead of two parts, I decided to split it up in three parts, one for each of my C-sections. So if you listened to episode two, that is where I talked about my first C-section, which was an induction, which ultimately led to me having to have a C-section due to my baby having heart D-cells as a reaction to the Pitocin that I was given during my induction. So now my second birth story, I want to go ahead and fast forward from 2017 to 2021 I found out that I was pregnant with my second son, and we were excited about that. Um, Initially, of course, we didn't know it was a boy. I thought it was a girl because I was pretty sick during my first trimester, and even going into my second trimester, I had severe nausea, I had headaches. Smells would... Tick me off. For example, my fiance, who is now my husband, but he was my fiance at the time. He would cook things with grease, and the grease would set me off. Chicken would set me off. I literally didn't like just about anything, and even when it came down to sweets, because typically I love sweets. I love chocolate. I love cake, cookies, ice cream. I couldn't have any of that um, the first several weeks of my pregnancy. But then eventually it got better, which was nice. But then around 20 to 21 weeks, I started having some pelvic pain and it was starting to become difficult to roll around in bed or to even get out of the bed to use the bathroom or to get in my car and drive. So I was struggling with that. And so it was pretty difficult getting around, especially with the pain. But I was like, okay, you know, this too shall pass. And I also found out I was having a boy Um, before I started having the pelvic pain. I had a little bit of gender disappointment, I guess you would say, because I, like I said, I thought it was a girl, but it turns out it was a boy. So all of those old wives tales were null and void. (laughs) So Anyway, fast forward to 27 weeks pregnant, I took a glucose test. And actually, now that I think about it, I took an early glucose test at 11 weeks because I had gestational diabetes in my previous pregnancy. So they wanted to make sure that if I had gestational diabetes again, that they caught it early if it presented itself. So I took a glucose test at 11 weeks and I passed, which was fine. And then I took another test at 27 weeks, which I passed, and I was fine. So I figured, okay, I bypassed that. Thank goodness I don't have gestational diabetes again because I know that they would likely push for an induction if I was diagnosed a second time. So around 32 weeks, I started working from home because my pelvic and back pain was becoming worse. And so my OB gave me the green light to work from home. And also around that time, I started having prodromal labor. And so prodromal labor is when you have contractions that start and they may become consistent but then they fizzle off it's kind of like your body's stopping and starting and stopping and starting the process of labor so i had prodromal labor for weeks and it was horrible i thought that i was going into labor so i was in and out of labor and delivery to make sure that everything is okay but I was about one to two centimeters dilated, but I wasn't in active labor. I wasn't really progressing and making much change. So they figured that I would be okay. Now at my 33 week checkup, I went to get a sonogram and during this ultrasound, they were looking around and they saw that the baby's abdomen was measuring past the 99th percentile. And so typically when you go for these scans, you know, they check to make sure everything is fine and if everything is fine, you're good to go. But at this appointment, I ended up having this issue with his abdomen being abnormally large. And so one of the doctors came in to talk with me and they said that usually when a baby's abdomen is measuring at this size, it is indicative of gestational diabetes. So I'm just like, damn, but I got tested at 11 weeks and 27 weeks, and I thought that I bypassed that. I thought I was in the clear. But because of his abdomen measuring so large, they said that they wanted to do a three hour test. And like I mentioned before with my previous episode, you know, that that three hour test is horrible. So I went and did the three hour test, and surely enough, I failed. So I ended up being diagnosed with gestational diabetes later on in the pregnancy. And they decided to start me on something that's called metformin to help regulate my blood sugars. And they said that there would not only be benefits for me, but also benefits for the baby so that he's not getting as much sugar. Because for mamas that have had gestational diabetes, one of the risks is that it can cause the baby to gain more weight because he's absorbing all the sugar that your body is not properly breaking down. So I was taking metformin, and in the meantime, my baby was also breech around 32, 33 weeks. So I was getting heavy into spinning babies, trying to get him to flip. And luckily, around 35 weeks, he switched and he flipped head down. So I was so thankful for that because I was thinking that if he remains breech, I wouldn't be able to attempt my VBAC. And although I know that there are mamas who have had breech births, I personally was not comfortable with that. So I was happy to hear that he flipped head down. So in preparation for my VBAC um, or my VBAC attempt, I was doing... Curb walking, I was stretching, I was bouncing on yoga balls, I was eating dates. I even went so far as to try this eggplant parmesan that I read online that is supposedly known to induce labor. And they make this eggplant parmesan at a famous restaurant in Atlanta. And I read stories about women who had eaten this pasta and went into labor within a couple of days. So I had my fiance get all the ingredients and make the pasta that didn't work i was eating spicy foods that didn't work and so eventually my ob said that they would like to schedule an induction because of the fact that i had gestational diabetes and i really didn't want to schedule the induction but i knew their protocol and i just didn't feel like i would win if i were to like battle that and i know the risks associated with gestational diabetes but I was fine. Baby was fine. I thought everything was okay. So, as you know, when you have gestational diabetes or any high-risk pregnancy, they have you come in for something that are, that's called non-stress test. And they just check to make sure that baby is doing okay. And then they also do something called a biophysical profile, where they check to make sure that everything looks good in utero. So, I had my induction scheduled. It was a little after 38 weeks i want to say it was 38 weeks and one day or 38 weeks and two days it could have been, even been little a little farther than that but the induction was scheduled for a friday night and thursday morning i went into the hospital for my non-stress test and my biophysical profile and the non-stress test was fine but then when we had the biophysical profile they discovered that he wasn't practiced breathing in the way that he was supposed to. So when it comes to practice breathing, it's something that babies do towards the end of the pregnancy. And when they do a biophysical profile, they check to make sure that the baby's chest is rising and falling to make sure that he's practiced breathing the way he was supposed to. But my baby was not doing it as often as they thought he should have. So I remember the nurse being like, so... How do you feel about being induced today instead of tomorrow? And at that point, I was like, you know, fine, we can do that. I had already been having contractions, which they picked up on the non-stress test. So I was like, let's go ahead and do it. But because I was having pretty consistent contractions and I was already in the hospital, they sent me to the labor and delivery unit to be checked to see if I progressed anymore as far as dilating. So when my OB checked me there, she saw that I was three centimeters dilated and about 90% effaced. So she was like, oh, you're in active labor. We're going to go ahead and admit you. So I was excited. I was like, okay, like things are moving. And I went into spontaneous labor on my own. I didn't have to be induced like we had scheduled for the night after. So I was excited about that. And My husband and I, well, my fiance at the time, we got settled in. And I also had a doula who is a dear, dear friend of mine. And she had just started her doula business not too long before that. And so she came and we had a whole vibe in the room. I wanted the room to feel safe and secure and calm so we had led candles around the room we had um an aroma diffuser and we put lavender oil in there we had the lights dimmed down low actually the lights were off because we had so many led candles it lit up the room but it just created this sense of calm and so i was having contractions but they weren't productive enough initially so we were getting up and trying to get on the exercise ball and try to do what we could, but I was actually a little limited in how much I could move because they said I had to be continuously monitored because of, number one, me having a V back and number two, my gestational diabetes. And so they didn't have wireless monitors either. Well, actually, either they didn't have it or they didn't tell me that they had it. So... Pretty much I was limited to going within a couple of feet of the bed unless I had to use the bathroom But we still were able to do what we could throughout the day on that Thursday And then around Thursday evening The medical team came in and they were like, you know, yeah We think that we should do an epidural in the event that you have to have a c-section At least it's already in place And I think that once you get the epidural that we should go ahead and break your water And once again, I had prepared for this VBAC, but I didn't think anything of them trying to give me an epidural or um, breaking my water early. I just figured that it would help, help labor progress. So I agreed to it, but I asked for a low dose epidural. And the reason why I asked for that is because I wanted to still be able to have some type of movement and sensation when it was time to push. And I didn't want a full blown epidural like the last time. So we went ahead and did that, and then they broke my water, and not all of it gushed out. It was just a little bit at a time, and then once that happened, though, the contractions started hitting full throttle on top of the Pitocin that they also gave me. So it was epidural, water breaking, and then Pitocin. And they started the Pitocin at a low dose, but then they were increasing it every so amount of minutes. So with all of that, the contractions were hell. And my doula was trying to help me get into positions where I could still encourage the baby to come down a little bit and encourage dilation. And thank goodness, but my nurse, the nighttime nurse, she was also a doula. So she and my doula were working together to get me into different positions so that we can encourage the baby to come down because at this time I was about six centimeters, but I wasn't progressing very much. But the nurse was so amazing and she was able to kind of determine based on his heart rate They were like, you know, he's coming down a little bit more. He's coming down a little bit more based on, you know, his positioning and heart rate. And she was able to detect all that with her knowledge of being a nurse as well as a doula. So she was like, you're doing this. Everything is going to be okay. Like, you're progressing. But it got to a point where I could not tolerate the contractions any longer. And I was just screaming. I was shaking the bed. I was grabbing onto my doula. There, My doula was trying to help me My fiance was trying to help me And I was literally like Don't touch me Like leave me alone I just felt so overstimulated Because I didn't really quite know how to manage the pain Even though my doula and my fiance And the RN in the room Were helping me in every way they could I just didn't know how to receive that help And I just was so like tapped out I just wanted to be left alone So I'm screaming like, you know, F this. Like, I want a C-section. Like, I was getting to that point. The pain was so bad. And I was asking for them to bump up the epidural. I was like, listen, I need all the drugs. And they said they were doing it, but I didn't feel anything. So I feel like the epidural just all in all. When I asked for low dose, it was really low dose. Like, it didn't provide any relief. So after that... Of tolerating the pain for some hours. At this point, it's like the middle of the night, early Friday morning. And the resident doctor comes in and she's like, you know, maybe we need to give her some Benadryl because I wasn't able to sleep. I would be in and out of sleep. And then my water was still coming out after them breaking it. And I just couldn't get comfortable enough to rest. And so she suggested Benadryl, which in hindsight, I should have said no because I tend to have not so great reactions to antihistamines and I should have said no, but I was just so in the moment of what was happening. I couldn't even like say, no, I don't want that. And my doula and my fiance didn't know that I had an allergy to, or I had a a bad reaction to Zyrtec. So nobody really knew. And so they gave me the Benadryl, even though it actually was on my medical record, but they gave me the Benadryl through an IV to help me rest and once they gave me that I was out cold and as soon as they gave that Benadryl to me my son's heart rate tanked and it tanked for a good five minutes apparently and I say apparently because like I said I was knocked out cold and what I remember was a bunch of doctors came in and they were like daisy We have to move you. His heart rate is tanking. We have to get you in a position to where we can stabilize his heart rate. And so they're trying to move me. But like I said, I'm out of it. And apparently they gave me an injection in my thigh to stop the contractions. I don't even remember that. But my fiance and doula were like, yeah, they gave you something in your thigh. And they were asking you questions about what's your name? Do you know where you are? And I was just so incoherent. So finally... They were able to stabilize his heart rate. But at that point, the OB was like, you know, you've been here since yesterday morning. You haven't progressed much. At the time, I was a bit, about six centimeters. And she said that we can either allow you to continue laboring or you can consent to a C-section. But if you continue laboring and a heart D cell happens again and it's like this, then you're going to be... Emergency status your fiance can't be in the OR and you'll be put to sleep because we have to get the baby out Essentially like a crash c-section and so at that point I looked at my doula and I was just like Let's just do the c-section like I tried but I don't want to be in there without my fiance. I didn't want to be put to sleep And so I was like, okay, let's go ahead and do the c-section and in the moment I didn't take the news too horribly. I felt like I was at somewhat at peace because I felt like I had tried and I had knew more than what had occurred with my first C-section. So initially, I felt at peace with the decision. So they're getting everything prepped for the C-section. We go into the OR They're giving me you know, extra drugs, anesthesia, to make sure that I'm completely numb at this point. And my fiance comes in the room and everything was fairly textbook. Um, My son Ryan came out within 10 minutes and I was able to hold him with the help of a nurse as well as my fiance. I could only hold him with one hand because my other hand was strapped down. But I was out of the OR within 45 minutes, I would say. And like I said, everything went smoothly. And so we went into a recovery room where we stayed for a couple of hours. And during that time, I was getting him to breastfeed. And he had a little bit of trouble latching on, but it wasn't horrible. And we were just enjoying the time with our baby boy before we went into our postpartum suite. So while we were in the postpartum suite, I was still incredibly loopy. From the anesthesia as well as the Benadryl that they gave me. So much so that I could barely stay awake to complete the documentation. You know like how they have you complete documentation for your social security card. Well the baby's social security card as well as um, birth certificate. And I was so out of it I couldn't even participate in that. And even for his first bath I was just out of it. And then when I was awake I was itching from head to toe. They said that it was a reaction from the anesthesia, but they couldn't really give me anything to help because clearly I had a bad reaction to the Benadryl. So they tried to give me some ointment, but that wasn't helping. But thank goodness that that went away within a day or so. So they told me that because I didn't have any complications, and this was also in 2021, it was still pandemic. I felt like they were trying to get people in and out. They said that I could be discharged within two days, and honestly, I was fine with that because I was ready to go home. But before we got discharged, my OB paid us a visit, and she just talked about how I was feeling and how things were going, um, and. I just asked her, like, why do you think I wasn't able to have this back? Like, I was effaced. I was dilating. I know I had the heart D cell because of the Benadryl. But ultimately, what do you think happened? And she said that, you know, she basically compared my cervix to a margarita, not, not a margarita glass, a martini glass. And she was saying that, you know, some martini glasses are shaped differently than others. And, you You know, I just think that you have a very small pelvis and I don't think that you are able to deliver babies vaginally. And she referred to the weight of my son and my son was six pounds, seven ounces. And she was like, you should have been able to push him out. But for some reason, your body is just not able to do it. And that made me feel bad. So while initially I felt at peace with it, after we had that conversation I was just thinking, like, maybe if that resident doctor didn't give me Benadryl, maybe I could have had my V back. Or maybe if I wasn't given Pitocin, I could have had my V back. And it just made me think about why is my body not able to do this for a second time? And so I started getting into those feelings of I failed. And I didn't want to go to that place because, like I said, the C-section wasn't traumatic, this specific one. But I just felt like, why is it that other women are able to do this and I am not? And, you know, the message when we're talking about, you know, support groups, which are great. The message is that, you know, if my body can do it, so can yours. But while that is true, there are also things that can happen where your body is not able to do that. But... It doesn't make me feel any better knowing that, I mean, yes, I attempted it, but thinking back, I'm like, I didn't really feel too great about my body not being able to do it. And so I, I struggled a little bit mentally with that. Thankfully this time around I didn't have postpartum depression and thankfully my son and I we bonded over breastfeeding and I was able to breastfeed him for six months until I just kind of felt like I selfishly I wanted my body back and I feel like after you have a baby your body is still not yours because you're breastfeeding and you're watching your you know what you're intaking in your body and at six months I was just like you know I think we're done here but So there were some positive things post-C-section. And like I said, I didn't have postpartum depression, which was great. But at the same time, I wondered why. And I started thinking about, you know, all of the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. If this had happened, then maybe the outcome would have been different. And I think those are some of the hardest thoughts. Because even if I have those shoulda, coulda, wouldas, I can't change what happened despite the knowledge that I had in having a doula and my fiance there and it still just felt I felt incomplete and I felt defeated in a sense when I really sat down and started combing through my emotions and it was hard and so then at that time we weren't sure if we were going to have any more children. But then eight months after my son was born, so eight months postpartum, we had just gotten married. And a month after we got married, I found out that I was pregnant. So that is where I'm going to stop this episode kind of on a cliffhanger because I want to make sure that everyone tunes in next week when I talk about my third c-section and some of the complications i had that pregnancy and the preparation i did for a vba2c and i'm also going to talk very much in depth about what happened with that induction and how it led to a c-section that unfortunately had some complications but if you've made it to the end of this episode, I am grateful, I am thankful, and I hope that my story is helpful to a mama out there. And maybe there's mamas that can relate. You know, you were attempting a VBAC and you did, quote unquote, all the things and or whatever it is that you were able to do and still not having that outcome that you wanted and ending up with a C-section It is hard, and it's hard to find peace about that. And even now, even though that was a couple of years ago at this point, I'm still searching for some peace about the way things went and wondering if things went differently, would the outcome have been different. So thank you so much for listening, and please be sure to tune in next week for my final part, my part three, which talks about my third C-section. So as always, this is Daisy from the C-Spot and can't wait to tune. Well, can't wait for you guys to tune in next week. Um, But in the meantime, I want you to remember that your birth does not define who you are and you are strong and you're beautiful and you are beyond magical. Bye.